0: what's going on man welcome back to the basement Amron. and i spent a lot of time talking about zero rb hero rb double hero rb as these great draft strategies while simultaneously bashing robust rb and it kind of occurred to me that i've never sat down and really explained my thoughts on robust rb so i wanted to sit down today talk about robust rb its flaws why i don't love it as a draft strategy and then also give you guys a little bit of a tweak where i think that if you want to draft running backs early in 2022 this is the way that I would do it. So with that being said, if you enjoy the video at any point in time, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's go. Now before we even break down robust RB, I wanna talk about my point of view and where I'm coming from. Because I know that this is a super polarizing topic where you have the zero RB guys and the robust RB guys go at war every day on Twitter, YouTube comments, TikTok comments, all of that stuff. And I think I have a unique viewpoint as somebody that was a robust RB truther. This is actually really funny. If you look at my first ever content in fantasy football, I wrote articles for player profiler. One of the first articles I ever wrote was dominate in 2020 with robust RB draft strategy by Ron Stewart, June 9th, 2020. So two years ago, almost on the dot, I was out there touting robust rb so i think as a guy who is now a zero rb drafter i think i have a unique viewpoint as somebody that has seen both sides so i'm not coming from a a place that has only ever done zero rb i'm coming from a place where i've tried both numerous times in numerous places and i actually want to dive into that article in a little bit and we'll actually refute some of the claims that i talked about in that article now when we talk about robust rb the biggest issue that i ran into this morning when i wrote this outline it's really difficult to define robust RB or find a unanimous definition. And I looked up robust RB articles, robust RB videos, and these are generally what these teams look like. Now, don't focus on the player. Some of these screenshots are from 2020. Some of them are from 2021. But the robust RB strategy that I talk about in this video or when I talk about it in other videos is generally the teams that i'm showing here that are this super aggressive style of drafting running backs where they have four five six running backs through round seven now for the purpose of this video we have to define what robust rb is and the parameters within the league that you are deploying it in and when it comes to robust rb i think a good definition for it in terms of this like high t bro type drafting is four running backs through round five and i think it's super important to note that these people are playing in more casual leagues, right? A lot of the guys that want to draft four running back straight, five running back straight, they're drafting in half PPR, one flex spot leagues, only two wide receivers. So you know what, we're gonna to go to their arena because usually I talk about these strategies through the lens of full PPR, two wide receiver, two flex, or three wide receiver, one flex. For the purpose of this video, we're gonna go with a very vanilla setup of half PPR, two wide receivers, one flex, and then obviously the standard one quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, a tight end, a flex, you guys get the point. So when it comes to the theory of robust RB, I kind of want to talk about the thesis, each of its points. And then as we go, we're just going to sort of debunk all of these ideas. And the main thesis of robust RB is that a top end top 12 RB1 locked and loaded bell cow running back is the holy grail in fantasy. And that's kind of fair. But I would say more at the top end, right? When we talk about the running backs that score all the points, we had JT and Eckler last year. Before that, we had Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I would probably put Derrick Henry in that conversation as well. Before that, we had McCaffrey, etc. All of these guys that can single-handedly win you leagues. And the idea that robust RB drafters have is that by just drafting running back, running back, running back, running back, you are punching as many lottery tickets as you can on those league-winning running backs. And I even covered this in my article from 2020. I showed the points per game from 2017 to 2019 of running backs versus wide receivers, dividing them up into top six, top 12, top 24, top 36. Now, by the way, this was a young Ron Stewart, couple months of doing fantasy. This is a little bit screwy because for the RB2 wide receiver two, we have 13 to 25 when it should be like 13 to 24. RB3 wide receiver three is like 26 to 36. It should be 24 to 36 or like 25 to 36. It's a little bit chalked, but it's whatever the whole idea is that the top end running backs right the rb1s the top six running backs they score more than wide receivers and then from wide receiver two on the wide receivers have the advantage and now this is the main downfall of robust rb because as we see here from rb2 and wide receiver two on the wide receivers have the advantage and the issue is that a robust rb you're chasing running backs into rounds three round four round five chasing rb1s and the issue is is that once we get to round three, we are drafting the RB2s and wide receiver twos per ADP. And if you are drafting running backs in third and fourth round, and you're thinking that you can turn an RB2 at 13.1 points per game, into a 19.4 point per game RB1, just because you're better at picking running backs than everybody else. And that's not only really unlikely because we all kind of suck at picking players, but because league winning running backs aren't coming in those areas of the draft. And the way that I went in and showed this is that if we think that an RB1 averages about 19.4 points per game, I rounded up to a clean 20 plus points per game that we are calling running backs that are clear difference makers, elite options at running back that are those holy grail type pieces. And I went back all the way to 2015 and charted where those 20 plus point per game running backs were getting drafted, how many of them within each round. And we've had 21 running backs hit 20 plus points per game over that span. 18 of the 21 were drafted in the first two rounds. One was drafted in round three, which was LaShawn McCoy in like 2016. We have one in round eight, which was Devonta Freeman in 2015 when all of the top running backs sucked. And then round 17, we have James Conner, the year that Le'Veon Bell held out. So chasing running backs into rounds three through seven in hopes of hitting on this bona fide stud at running back, makes no sense because they aren't there. And the funny thing about this whole idea is that we should actually be prioritizing wide receivers in that round three through seven range, because I did that same exercise with wide receivers. It's actually pretty impressive that there's 20, 20 plus point per game wide receivers since 2015, and there's 20 plus 20 point per game wide receivers or running backs since 2015. So 21 versus 20. So wide receivers are actually sort of putting up a fight against running backs. But when we look at 20 plus point per game wide receivers, we have six out of the 20 coming in rounds three through seven. That's a massive jump from one out of 21. So just to reiterate the whole idea that robust RB drafters have is that they want to have as many bullets at a league winning running back as possible. So they draft four through the first five rounds to make sure they definitely hit on one. Now the issue is, is that when you draft four through the first five rounds, a lot of the league winning running backs are only coming in those first two rounds. So you're pretty much taking shots at a board, at a target that isn't really there. And then you're also killing your team taking away opportunity costs from all of your other positions while also almost like you're almost betting on yourself to have those running backs early bust, right? You're throwing as many darts as you can at the board and you're hoping that something sticks, wasting a lot of draft capital on the position as you're doing so. And the reason I'm so confident in saying that running backs bust often or they get hurt often is because there's a really cool study done by Josh Hermsmeyer on Rotovis. I know a lot of people out there say running backs get hurt a ton. We saw that last year with Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon. We saw it with CMC. We see it every year, but it could just be a narrative. So I wanted to actually find a good study on it because I know a lot of people say running backs are a lot more fragile than wide receivers, but they don't really come out here with some sort of study, some sort of stats on it. A lot of robust RB guys will say the same thing. And when we look at the study in 2015 that Josh Hermsmeyer had, he showed the top 24 wide receivers and the top 24 running backs and show their serious injury rate, which he defined as the rate at which these players suffer serious injuries, which he defined as injuries holding them out of play for four or more games. And this is a lot of numbers on the screen, but when you just look at the mean, so the average between the two, on average, 18.3% of top 24 ADP wide receivers get hurt at a serious rate. For running backs, it's 45.36%, almost 2.5 times more likely to get hurt in those top 24 ADP slots so when you're drafting four or more top 24 running backs you're taking on a lot of fragility a lot of bust risk and you're opening your team up to have a lot of holes by midseason. now everything that I've talked about talks about just the high-end RB1s a 20 plus point per game guys and a lot of robust RB guys will say we're not talking about those guys we're talking about RB1s as a whole they're a very scarce asset so we should be stocking up on RB1s in general here's the issue rb1s aren't these super scarce assets that you need to hoard and again i agree that at the top end those 20 plus point per game guys are irreplaceable but now we know most of them are coming in the first two rounds which brings us back to the back end rb1 range of guys who aren't really giving you difference making production they just have that rb1 label so this would be nick chubb david montgomery josh jacobs last year they were all around that rb10 to rb12 range and they hovered in around 15 points per game, and that's the issue there, is that 15 points per game at running back is one of the most replaceable positions in fantasy, and I'd argue that it is the opposite of scarce. By chasing low-end RB1s, those high-end RB2 type guys into rounds three through seven, you're essentially paying for production that can be found on waivers. Now, this is a great tweet from Jacob Sanderson, and he shows Nick Chubb was a 15.2 point per game guy, Montgomery was a 15 point per game guy, Jacobs was a 14.9 point per game guy, and guys you could get on waivers that could match that production was Devonte Booker for the Giants when Saquon went down, weeks five through nine, he was a fifteen point eight point per game guy. You have Darrell Williams weeks six through ten when Edwards Zalair went down was a seventeen point eight point per game guy. And again, you don't have to like get lucky to predict that these guys are gonna go off you know the starter goes down they're going to come in there and get starting volume then you have deonta foreman weeks 14 through 17 14.1 points per game you have cordwell patterson who was a 14.5 points per game guy in the full season elijah mitchell on the full season was a 15 point per game guy so as we can see there's plenty of chances on the waiver wire to replicate that production in your rb2 spot and that's the whole idea here is that we can't really say the same about wide receivers. When Michael Thomas went down last year, Marcus Cali didn't become this serviceable wide receiver too. But when Saquon Barkley went down, we have a guy who's barely even on a 53-man roster right now in Devontae Booker, who could be added for free on waivers. And he straight up neutralized your opponents, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, guys that they spent top five round draft picks on. You are now giving them an answer to that for free and that's a big problem for those teams so that's where i don't really get the idea of loading up on running back in that area of the draft now this has all been through a ppr lens in terms of points per game and now you guys might say well running backs score more than wide receivers and half ppr across the board so that's why i'm drafting them and that's where I would say not really Rotoviz has a really cool tool called win the flex where it pretty much looks at running back projections versus wide receiver projections and put those over ADP. So you can kind of see when wide receivers start to outscore running backs and vice versa. And I set it to half PPR. And even in those settings, you have running backs have a big advantage of those first 20 picks like we've been saying, Then they cross up around pick 20 pick 24. And then wide receivers have the advantage to the rest of the draft. So again, running backs beat out wide receivers early on but after those first two rounds you could even argue that even in half ppr that wide receivers are outscoring running backs and on top of that you're just chasing 15 point per game running backs you can just replicate off the waiver wire in those rounds three through seven where you got guys like cooper cup jamar chase debo samuel last year So it's a losing proposition to get players you can get off waivers when you're never going to be able to find those league winning wide receivers off waivers, which then brings us to how would I tweak this strategy to make it more modern? Let's say you're an old school guy out there. I know a lot of older people do tune into the channel like 40 years old plus and I know a lot of guys out there are I've had comments where people are like, hey, man, I know that all of this makes sense, but I can't quit drafting running backs early. I need to draft one in the first round. I need to have my RB two by round three. I just need it for stability. I can't stomach not passing on them. And if I needed to draft running backs early on, and I wanted to do, and I wanted to draft multiple of them, first, I would say Double Hero RB is a great alternative. I'll put the link to that video up top here if I don't yell at me in the comments. But let's say you want more than two running backs early. And this is where I would sort of modify the idea of best ball, where I talk about hyper-fragile. I did this in my underdog uh, 101 video. But you can take hyper-fragile principles from best ball leagues and apply it to redraft managed leagues. And the core principles of hyper-fragile is to draft running backs either early or early or often and with hyper fragile, you're drafting them early but not often so the issue is with four plus running backs through the first five to six rounds it's overkill especially in leagues with only one flex you're drafting a running back to just sit on your bench which is insane to me you're pretty much just waiting for an injury so, when you talk about hyper fragile, I would say the generally accepted definition of it is three running backs through those first five rounds and then only ending up with like four total. So, you're not spending a lot of draft capital on them. You're taking your shots early and then you're just foregoing the position and making up everywhere else. So, now let's look at two teams I drafted that are examples of modern styles of robust RB that I myself would draft in leagues. All right, so this draft is from the 102 on fantasy pros again this is half ppr one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers one flex six bench league and I love the 102 spot 101 spot either or you get Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey and you come back around you can get a I mean Saquon of the 211 is insane but I still like Javante in that range I still like I even think that Aaron Jones is passable in that range but we go CMC Saquon very easy we go AJ Brown I can't pass it up in the third round And this is where a third running back actually naturally happened. I have, I was drafting off my rankings, by the way, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, if you want my early top 150, and I actually have ETN and Brees Hall ranked ahead of all of the remaining wide receivers that I was looking at at the 411. So I have them ahead of Marquise Brown, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, whoever you like there. I have ETN and Brees Hall ahead. I actually think that this would be a fine place to make a detour. So I went out there, I took ETN. And the important part is that after you take that third running back through the first five rounds you got to start hammering wide receivers and essentially forget about running backs until these super late rounds so we go marquise brown as our wide receiver two which is actually a really fun setup we now have McCaffrey and saquon as our running backs aj brown and hollywood as our wide receiver one wide receiver two and then we have etn in the flex and that's a really fun setup for a team like this then we hammer out some running backs and rashad bateman elijah moore we have some upside year two guys that can build out our wide receiver depth again We want to make sure that we are not behind that wide receiver. We want to have enough wide receivers. So even as much as I love ETN and I love Saquon, I love McCaffrey. We talked about it earlier. Top 24 running backs have about a 50% chance of missing four or more games. So I want to be set up where I can have three stud wide receivers starting at all times in the event that one of my running backs don't work out. Now, after Elijah Moore at the 702, we get to the 811 and we actually get really lucky. We get Hawkinson here. And this is the biggest flaw of hyper-fragile builds. Again, Robust RB is what we covered in the first half of the video. I want to call this strategy hyper-fragile. It's a modified version of Robust RB, and it's the more modern zero RB version of it. And when we go three running backs early and we try and make up that gap at wide receiver, what ends up happening is is instead of in a lot of like hero RB builds and zero RB builds, you can get at least one elite stud at tight end or quarterback. In this setup, you're probably going to have to stream both tight end and quarterback, but here we got lucky. We got Hawkinson to fell to us. Same thing with Russell Wilson at the 10-11, another crazy fall to us. So we got lucky. Our onesies are good. We don't have to stream anything. And then we go Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Kenny Galladay as our final wide receivers, just to make sure that we have wide receivers through the flex in the case that we need to flex wide receivers. And on the whole, this is a fun team. So something I actually do given the options there at that four or five turn. I actually think in real life, this is how I would have drafted this team. If I was on the clock, McCaffrey is, is my guy at 102. Saquon is my next highest ranked player. AJ Brown as well. Etienne Marquise Brown. Through those first five rounds, those are literally just my highest ranked players at each of those spots. There's going to be spots this year. People, if people keep letting Saquon fall and if Etienne and Brees Hall are routinely four or five turn guys, this is going to be, ha- this is going to have to be something that I get used to and get comfortable with because I really want to be taking swings on Etienne and Brees Hall in those middle rounds as well as taking guys like Saquon Barkley at the end of the second so when we look at the final team we have russ at quarterback cmc and saquon at running back aj brown and hollywood brown as our wide receivers hawkinson at tight end etn at flex and then we have a bunch of swings on wide receivers and elijah moore rashad bateman garrett wilson jamison williams galladay and if you think that that is overkill i encourage you to go look at your old teams from last year see the wide receivers you took even in the first six rounds and see how they panned out last year i went wide receiver having a lot of builds you could have gone like digs, calvin ridley and then you could have gone even like a robert woods you could have gone brandon iuke as much league winning upside as there is at wide receiver nothing in fantasy is guaranteed i want to have as much depth as much options as much wide receiver firepower especially in a build like this when we only take one through the first four rounds as possible all right so this is another draft but i wanted to show you guys what i would do in a more modern setup so this is full ppr two wide receivers two flex spots where i think a lot more leagues are set up like this and these are how my leagues are set up so i want to show you guys how i would implement this strategy in leagues that i play in and i think this is the other spot of drafts where this works well and so we go out of the 109 and this is an area where you can go double tap running back whoever you like up top whether that's swift saquon those are the guys i like you can go mix in i think derrick henry will fall there dalvin coco there, even though he went 104 here aaron jones whoever you like then at that mid to late third area i do think in some leagues you'll get chubb javante williams james Conner to fall into that area and i think that's where you can go triple tap running back and then get into your hyper fragile build and after triple tapping running back we go six straight wide receivers we go dj moore jerry judy we stack him with Cortland sutton we go Devontae smith we go treylon burks sky Moore. all guys that i am just taking as many shots at wide receiver because again we want to have wide receivers through the flex that are startable and it's actually pretty funny because this is halfway a 0RB team. Now, the first definition of, or the first condition of 0RB is no running backs through the first five rounds. But the second one is six wide receivers through the first nine rounds. And we actually did that here. Now, the issue is that that sort of screwed up our onesie positions. We go Trey Lance, which I think is fine as a QB1, but we end up going Gaseki as our tight end one. That's not as good. That would be a weak point on this team. And then we also are streaming that with Albert O, who we took in the 13th round. We also look at the 12th round pick. We got Rashad White, who we probably didn't need. But if you have six wide receivers through the first nine rounds, even if it's rounds four through nine, after that, you don't have to spend a lot more capital on wide receivers, even in a setup like this. So we don't really care a ton about wide receiver after those first six. We go Rashad Way because I think he's another great upside swing. And I think that it's important to have at least one spot on your bench because even though you went running back early, you want to have one or two spots on your bench to churn out those handcuffed running backs. So maybe you can trade one of the guys up top or you can trade next year's Elijah Mitchell and just get free value at wide receiver. As you guys see, in that last round, we went Kenny Galladay, who's not a great pick, but in the 14th round, he's better than nothing. So when we look at this team in the top left, it shows the entire roster, its starting lineup, everything like that. And we made up for lost time at wide receiver by hammering them rounds four through nine. When we zoom out and look at this team, I think it's solid. Lance at quarterback is fine. Swift and Saquon at running back is great. DJ Moore, Judy at wide receivers is a little bit weak. Gaseki at tight end isn't great. James Connors, our first flex is pretty good. And then Sutton in that second flex spot. And then we have Devonta Smith, Traylon Burke, Sky Moore, all guys that can emerge as flex starters. We have Rashad White, who's a fun upside swing at running back. Alberto, who is a fun, streamable tight end, and then Kenny Galladay at the end, I think as well, this is a solid team. Now, when we talk about what we just went over here today, I think this is a good way to combine robust RB principles and zero RB principles because there are definitely going to be spots in drafts this year because I love Brees Hall so much and because I love Etienne so much that I might end up going McCaffrey, Saquon like I did here, or two running backs up top. And then I get value. I can't pass up at that late fourth, mid fifth of an ETN, of a Brees hall. And I'm not going to pass up on a good player because of structure. I think that's where you sort of run into some problems there. If you force zero RB and you force taking wide receivers over running backs that you know are better. So when that happens, I think these are both good ways to land the ship, right? Like it's a little bit rocky. You're not taking as many wide receivers as you want. I think this is a good way to land the ship, get everything home safe. And is a good way to get your team set up with running backs early. So with that being said, if you enjoyed the video, make sure you get on below, subscribe, leave a like, if you have any questions about sort of hyper fragile, or if you have any questions that I didn't really go over in terms of robust RB and its flaws, or you have any counterpoints to what I said, feel free to comment them down below. I respond to almost all of them. So feel free to comment down below, leave a like and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And as always, I will see you guys in the next one I got the juice I got the juice Geno Chatumson Foolie's glad I'm home even my haters kind of glad I'm on rest in peace to my back up on rapper song singer suspended Benny's from Mr